Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classes of Mail. My name is Alan Geekax, and today we are going to finish up our reading of Article 8 of the JCAM. I sure hope you like memorandums of understanding, because boy, are there a whole bunch of them at the end of this article. And hopefully this week's episode will have less coughing. I was still getting over the gribblies at the last episode, and this one should go a lot better. Uh, but we know it's going to be long, so I should probably stop running my mouth and start running my mouth. Oh, hey, new accent this time. I'm going to try my favoriteest accent in the whole world, the Nigerian accent. I love the Nigerian accent. I love the way it sounds. Uh, right up there with the Scottish accent for being my favorites. But there's no freaking way I can do a Scottish accent. Probably can't do a Nigerian one either. But I'm going to try it. And if you listen to it and you say, that doesn't sound like a Nigerian accent. Well, let's say it's probably because you're thinking of the Lagos Nigeria accent. And uh, I'm doing an accent that is totally dead on balls accurate, but it's from a different section of Nigeria. So that's probably what you're thinking of. That's probably where the disconnect is. But let's find out as we go right on in to section 8.6. Section 6, Sunday premium payment. Each employee whose regular work schedule includes a period of service, any part of which is within a period commencing at midnight Saturday and ending at midnight Sunday, shall be paid an extra compensation at the rate of 25% of the employee's base hourly rate of compensation for each hour of work performed during that period of service. An employee's regularly scheduled reporting time shall not be changed on a Saturday or Sunday solely to avoid the payment of Sunday premium payment. Okay, that's somewhere between like Jamaican and Indian and oh, that's a mess. As fun as it is to try the accent, I'm probably going to have to get better at it before I keep doing this, subjecting you to it. Because ultimately the goal is I want this to be intelligible. And if you can't understand what I'm saying, if it's not clear, then that doesn't help very much. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to work on that on my own time. And we're going to go back to, uh, let's do the, um, the Hanna-Barbera accent instead. I'm going to read that again just to make sure you understood it. And if you already got it, just fast forward by a minute. Section 6, Sunday Premium Payment. Each employee whose regular work schedule includes a period of service, any part of which is within the period commencing at midnight Saturday and ending at midnight Sunday, shall be paid extra compensation at the rate of 25% of the employee's base hourly rate of compensation for each hour of work performed during that period of service. An employee's regularly scheduled reporting time shall not be changed on Saturday or Sunday solely to avoid the payment of Sunday premium payment. Sunday premium payment. A carrier who works on a Sunday or any work period, pardon me, or any work period that falls partly on a Sunday receives Sunday premium pay, an extra 25% of the base hourly straight time rate. The no pyramiding provisions of Article 8.4.F apply to the Sunday premium. An eligible, an eligible employee who is scheduled by management to work and does work on a non-overtime basis on a Sunday even if the employee was scheduled on a Sunday pursuant to a request for temporary schedule change for personal convenience, is entitled to Sunday premium pay under Article 8.6 of the National Agreement. And there's a citation. CCAs do not receive Sunday premium pay as defined in Article 8.6 of the National Agreement. 8.7. Section 7. Night shift deferential. 
For time work between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., career employees shall be paid additional compensation at the applicable flat dollar amount at each pay grade and step in accordance with Appendix A attached here too. The preceding paragraph, Article 8.7, shall apply to city carrier assistant employees. Night Shift Differential The no pyramiding provisions of Article 8.4.F do not apply to the night shift differential because the night shift differential is not considered a premium under Article 8.4.F. CCAs do receive night shift differential pay as defined in Article 8.7 of the National Agreement. 8.8.A Section 8 Guarantees A. An employee called in outside the employee's regular work schedule shall be guaranteed a minimum of four consecutive hours of work or pay in lieu thereof where less than four hours of work is available. Such guaranteed minimum shall not apply to an employee who called in who continues working on into the employee's regularly scheduled shift. Regular schedule employee call-in guarantees. Article 8.8a applies to full-time regular, full-time flexible, and PTFs. And there's a citation here. Full-time and part-time regular employees called in outside of the employee's regular work schedule, but on a regularly scheduled workday, will be guaranteed four consecutive hours of work, or pay in lieu of work. This guarantee does not apply when the employee continues to work into the employee's regular scheduled shift. Although full-time flexible employees do not have permanent regular schedules, they must be assigned weekly schedules by Wednesday of the prior week, Article 7. This is considered their schedule for the purpose of administering the guarantee provisions of Article 8, Sections 8.A and B. When an employee completes a scheduled tour, clocks out, and then is notified to clock in and resume working, that is considered a callback. All bargaining unit employees are guaranteed four hours work or pay if called back to work on a day that they have completed their assignments and clocked out. This guarantee is applicable to any size office. 8.8.B B. When a full-time regular employee is called in on the employee's non-scheduled day, the employee will will be guaranteed eight hours work or pay in lieu thereof. Pay guarantee for full-time employees on non-scheduled day. A full-time regular or full-time flexible employee called in on a non-scheduled day is guaranteed eight hours of work or pay in lieu thereof. This guarantee also applies on a holiday or designated holiday. 8.8.C C. The employer will guarantee all employees at least four hours of work or pay on any day that they are requested or scheduled to work in a post office or facility with 200 or more work years of employment per year. All employees at other post offices and facilities will be guaranteed two hours work or pay when requested or scheduled to work. PTF Employee Call-In Guarantees Article 8.8.C applies only to PTFs, and there's a citation. A PTF requested or scheduled to work in a post office or facility with 200 or more work years of employment is guaranteed four hours of work or pay in lieu of work. If branch officers need to determine if their post office has 200 or more work years of employment, they should contact their national business agent. A PTF requested or scheduled to work in a post office or facility with fewer than 200 work years of employment is guaranteed two hours of work or pay in lieu of work. ELM section 432.62 provides uh, further provides that a PTF who is called back to work On a day the employee has completed an assignment and clocked out is guaranteed four hours of work or pay regardless of the size of the office. National Arbitrator Britain held in blah 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 
that the two or four hour guarantee provided for in Article 8.8.C does not apply to PTFs who are initially scheduled to work but called at home and directed not to report to work prior to leaving for work. Split shifts. When PTFs work a split shift or are called back, the following rules apply. And there's citations. When a PTF is notified prior to clocking out that he or she should return within two hours, this will be considered a split shift and no new guarantee applies. When a PTF prior to clocking out is told to return after two hours, the employee must receive the applicable guarantee of two or four hours work or pay for the first shift and the employee must be given another minimum guarantee of two hours work or pay for the second shift. This guarantee is applicable to any size office. All PTFs who complete their assignment, clock out and leave the premises, regardless of the interval between shifts, are guaranteed four hours of pay if called back to work. This guarantee is applicable to any office size. 8.8.D. D. Any CCA employee who is scheduled to work and who reports to work in a post office or facility with 200 or more work years of employment shall be guaranteed four hours of work or pay. CCAs at other post offices and facilities will be guaranteed two hours of work or pay. Call-in guarantees. CCAs employed in post offices and facilities with more than 200 work years of employment have a four-hour work guarantee, and CCAs employed in all other post offices have a two-hour work guarantee. Split shifts. CCAs. The parties have agreed to the following rules for CCA work hour guarantees when there is a gap between two periods of work. When a CCA is notified prior to clocking out that he or she should return within two hours, it is considered a split shift and no new work hour guarantee applies. When a CCA is notified prior to clocking out that he or she is to return after two hours, the CCA must be given another work hour guarantee pursuant to Article 8.8, two or four hours depending on the office size. Waiving guarantees. The step four settlement, blah, 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 provides that, quote, management may not solicit employees to work less than their call-in guarantee, nor may employees be scheduled to work if they are not available to work the entire guarantee. However, the unemployee, however, the, however, an employee may waive a guarantee in case of illness or personal emergency, end quote. This procedure is addressed in ELM 432.63. 8.9. Section 9. Wash-up time. Installation heads shall grant reasonable wash-up time to those employees who perform dirty work or work with toxic materials. The amount of wash-up time granted each employee shall be subject to the grievance procedure. The preceding paragraph, Article 8.9, shall apply to city carrier assistant employees. Wash-up time. Article 8.9 establishes a general obligation enforceable through the grievance procedure for installation heads to grant reasonable wash-up time to those employees who perform dirty work or work with toxic materials. Wash-up time local implementation. Article 30.B.1 authorizes the local parties to negotiate additional or longer wash-up periods as part of a local memorandum of understanding. Article 30. Articles 8.9 and 30.B.1 prohibit negotiation of LMOU provisions that provide wash-up time to all employees without consideration of whether they perform any dirty work or are exposed to toxic materials. Local parties remain free to define the employees who satisfy those conditions. And here's a citation. This rule does not negate the provisions of Article 30.C 
or the Article 30 Memorandum, which addresses existing LMOU provisions. See JCAM pages 30-4 through 30-6. And here we get to the memos. This one is the first memo, and it is between the USPS and the Joint Bargaining Committee, which is the Postal Workers and the uh, the Postal Workers Union and the NALC. Regarding Article 8. Recognizing that excessive use of overtime is inconsistent with the best interest of, of postal employees and the postal service, it is the intent of the parties in adopting changes to Article 8 to limit overtime to avoid excessive mandatory overtime and to protect the interests of employees who do not wish to work overtime, while recognizing that bona fide operational requirements do exist that necessitate the use of overtime from time to time. The parties have agreed that uh, the parties have agreed to certain additional restrictions on overtime work while agreeing to continue the use of the overtime desired lists to protect the interests of those employees who do not want to work overtime and the interests of those who seek to work limited overtime. The parties agree that this memorandum does not give rise to any contractual commitment beyond the provisions of Article 8, but is intended to set forth the underlying principles which brought, forth, which brought the parties to agreement. The new provisions of Article 8 contain different restrictions than the old language. However, the new language is not intended to change existing practices relating to use of employees not on the overtime desired list when there are insufficient employees on the list available to meet the overtime needs. For example, if there are five available employees on the overtime desired list and five not on it, and if 10 work hours are needed to get the mail out within the next hour, all 10 employees may be required to work overtime. But if there are two hours within to get to the within to get, if there are two hours within which to get the mail out, then only the five on the overtime desired list may be required to work. The parties agree that Article Eight, Section Five Point G Point One, does not permit the employer to require employees on the overtime desired list to work overtime on more than four of the employee's five scheduled days in a service week, over eight hours on a non-scheduled day, or over six days in a service week. Normally, employees on the overtime desired list who don't want to work more than 10 hours a day or 56 hours a week shall not be required to do so, as long as employees who do want to work more than 10 hours a day or 56 hours a week are available to do the needed work without exceeding the 12 and 60 hour limitations. In the letter carrier craft, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days, and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to utilize auxiliary assistance when available, rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. In the event that these, in the event these principles are contravened, the appropriate correction shall not obligate the employer to any monetary obligation, but instead will be reflected in a correction to the opportunities available within the list. In order to achieve the objectives of this memorandum, the method, the method of implementation of these principles shall be to provide, during the two-week period prior to the start of each calendar quarter, an opportunity for employees placing their name on the list to indicate their ability for the duration of the quarter to work in excess of 10 hours in a day. During the quarter, the employer may require employees on the overtime desired list to work those extra hours if there is an insufficient number of employees available who have indicated such availability at the beginning of the quarter. The penalty overtime provisions of Article 8.4 are not intended to encourage or result in the use of any overtime in excess of the restrictions contained in Article 8.5.F. Now we have another memo. 
between the USPS and the NALC. Oh, this one doesn't say regarding. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out what it's regarding. This memorandum of understanding represents the party's consensus on clarification of interpretation and issues pending national arbitration regarding letter carrier overtime as set forth herein. In many places in the country, there have been continued misunderstanding of the provisions of Article 8 of the National Agreement, particularly as it relates to the proper assignment of overtime to letter carriers. It appears as if some representatives of both labor and management do not understand what types of overtime scheduling situations would constitute contract violations and which situations would not. This memorandum is designed to eliminate these misunderstandings. 1. If a carrier is not on the overtime desired list, ODL, or has not signed up for work assignment overtime, management must not assign overtime to that carrier without first fulfilling the obligation outlined in the letter carrier paragraph of the Article 8 Memorandum. The Article 8 Memorandum provides that, quote, where management determines that overtime or auxiliary assistance is needed on an employee's route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days and the employee is not on the overtime desired list, the employer will seek to utilize auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring the employee to work mandatory overtime. End quote. Such assistance includes utilizing someone from the ODL when someone from the ODL is available. Two, the determination of whether management must use a carrier from the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance under the letter carrier paragraph must be made on the basis of the rule of reason. For example, it is reasonable to require a letter carrier on the ODL to travel for five minutes in order to provide one hour of auxiliary assistance. Therefore, in such a case, management must use the letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance. However, it would not be reasonable to require a letter carrier on the ODL to travel 20 minutes to provide one hour of auxiliary assistance. Accordingly, in that case, management is not required to use the letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance under the letter carrier paragraph. 3. It is agreed that the letter carrier paragraph does not require management to use a letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance if that letter carrier would be in a penalty overtime status. 4. It is further agreed that the agreement dated July 12, 1976, signed by Assistant Postmaster General James C. Gildy and NALC President James H. Rademacher, is not in effect. In cases where management violates the letter carrier paragraph by failing to utilize an available letter carrier on the ODL to provide auxiliary assistance, the letter carrier on the ODL will receive as a remedy compensation the letter carrier on the ODL the letter carrier on the ODL will receive as a remedy compensation for the lost work opportunity at the overtime rate. 5. There is normally no monetary remedy for a carrier improperly required to work overtime on his own route. However, a one time on a one-time non-presidential dude. However, on a one-time non-presidential basis the Postal Service will pay $7 for each hour of overtime work to each carrier who has a timely grievance pending at Step 2 or 3 as of the date of this agreement. In order to recover, the grievant must establish that he or she was not on the ODL or work assignment list and was required to work overtime in violation of the principles set forth above. Date, December 20th, 1988. Next, we have a letter of intent between the USPS and the NALC regarding work assignment overtime. A. 
The Postal Service will provide the opportunity on a quarterly basis for full-time letter carriers to indicate a desire for available overtime on their work assignment on their regularly scheduled days. B. All full-time letter carriers are eligible to indicate their desire for work assignment overtime and by doing so are to work the overtime as specified on their regularly scheduled days. T6 or utility letter carriers would be considered available for overtime on any of the routes in their string. Reserve letter carriers are unassigned regulars desiring work assignment. Try that again. Reserve letter carriers and unassigned regular carriers desiring work assignment overtime would be eligible for overtime on the assignment on which they are working on a given day. C. An annotation on the overtime desire list may be used to identify employees desiring work assignment overtime. D. The ODL provided for in Article 8, Section 5 would continue to function. E. Work assignment overtime will not be considered in application of the Article 8, Section 5.C.2.B. F. Once management determines that overtime is necessary for full-time letter carriers, if the carrier has signed up for work assignment overtime, the carrier is to work the overtime as assigned by management. G. Full-time carriers signing up for work assignment overtime are to be considered available for up to 12 hours per day on a regularly scheduled days. However, the parties recognize that it is normally in, that it is normally in their best interest not to require employees to work beyond 10 hours per day, and managers should not require work assignment volunteers to work beyond 10 hours unless there is no equally prompt and efficient way in which to have the work performed. H. Penalty pay would be due for work in excess of 10 hours per day on four of five regularly scheduled days. Penalty pay would be due for overtime work on more than four of the employees' five scheduled days. Oh, yeah, so if you work overtime on the fifth day. Yeah, okay. I did read that right. I. Management could schedule employees from the ODL to avoid paying penalty pay to the carrier on his or her own work assignment. J. With respect to overtime work opportunities for employees on the fifth regularly scheduled day, the parties recognize a dispute exists concerning scheduling obligations, which would involve hours in excess of the limitations in Article 8, Section 5.F, i.e. the fifth day, in this case. The issue, this issue is one of those we identified to be placed expeditiously before an arbitrator. K. Implementation of such a scheduling approach should occur July 1, 1985. L. Grievances presently within the system which deal with the issue of overtime on a carrier's own assignment should be released from their current on-hold status and processed within the system with a concerted effort by the parties towards settlement. Date, May 28, 1985. Next, we have a joint statement on overtime, dated June 8, 1988. This joint statement on overtime represents the party's consensus on those commonly encountered situations where a uniform application of overtime procedure is required. This joint statement is restricted to those issues specifically set forth herein, but may from time to time be amended or may may from time to time be amended to to this joint statement is restricted to those issues specifically set forth herein, but may, from time to time, be amended to add or refine additional overtime issues jointly identified by the parties. Signing Overtime Lists Carriers may sign an Overtime Desired List, OTDL, only during the two-week period prior to the start of each calendar quarter. 
An exception exists for letter carriers on military leave during the sign-up period. They are permitted to sign the OTDL upon return to work. Unless local memoranda provide otherwise, when a carrier bids or is transferring between units during a calendar quarter, he or she may sign the OTDL in the gaining unit if he or she was on the OTDL in the losing unit. Full-time regular letter carriers, including those on limited or light duty, may sign up for either the regular overtime desired list, 10 or 12 hour, or the work assignment overtime, but not both. Whether or not an employee on limited or light duty is actually entitled to overtime depends upon his or her physical and or mental limitations. A letter carrier may request that his or her name be removed from an overtime desired list at any time during the quarter. However, management does not have to immediately honor the request if the employee is needed for overtime on the day the request is made. Regular Overtime List Letter carriers signing the overtime desired list who prefer to work in excess of 10 hours on a scheduled day up to the maximum of 12 hours on a scheduled day should indicate their preference on the list. A letter carrier who signs the regular overtime desired list is obligated to work overtime when requested. However, Article 8, Section 5.E provides that employees on the OTDL may be excused from working overtime in exceptional cases. Work Assignment Work assignment overtime was established by a Memorandum of Understanding dated May 28, 1985. Full-time carriers signing up for work assignment overtime were to be considered available for up to 12 hours per day on regularly scheduled days. However, the parties recognize that it is normally in their best interest not to require employees to work beyond 10 hours per day, and management should not require work assignment volunteers to work beyond 10 hours unless there's no equally prompt and efficient way to have the work performed. Signing up for the work assignment overtime does not create any entitlement or obligation to work overtime on a non-scheduled day. T6 or utility letter carriers would be considered available for overtime on any of the routes on their string. Reserve letter carriers and unassigned regulars are considered available for overtime on the assignment they are working on a given day. Management may use an employee from the regular OTDL to work regular overtime to avoid paying penalty pay to a carrier who has signed up for work assignment overtime. Further, management may assign any other carrier to perform the work at the straight time rate. Overtime Distribution The overtime desired lists control the distribution of overtime only among full-time, or, yeah, full-time regular letter carriers. Management may assign overtime to a PTFS or casual employees rather than to full-time regular employees who are either signed up for a work assignment overtime or OTDL. The OTDL is not used when scheduling for holiday coverage. Overtime opportunities for carriers on the regular OTDL are not distributed by seniority or on a rotating basis, nor is a carrier on the regular OTDL ever entitled to any specific overtime, even if it occurs on his or her own route. Rather, Article 8, Section 5.C.2.B requires that overtime opportunities must be equitably distributed during the quarter. Accordingly, whether or not overtime opportunities have been equitably distributed can only be determined on a quarterly basis. In determining equitability consideration, this needs a comma. In determining equitability, consideration must be given to total hours as well as the number of opportunities. And then this next part's written in italics. I don't know. Oh, I think it said why. Well, anyway. Management may require letter carriers on the regular overtime desired list to work overtime occurring on their own route on a regularly scheduled day. 
Overtime work by carriers on their own route on a regularly scheduled day is not considered in determining whether overtime opportunities have been equally distributed. This situation is controlled by Article 8, Section 5.C.2.D, and the pre-arbitration settlement of blah blah blah, which states in relevant part, 1. Overtime work by a letter carrier on the employee's own route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days is not counted as an overtime opportunity for the purposes of administration of the overtime desired list. Two, we're no longer in italics here. Overtime that is concurrent with, occurs during the same time as, Overtime work by a letter carrier on the employee's own route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days is not counted as an opportunity missed for the purposes of administration of the overtime desired list. Mandatory overtime. The letter carrier carrier paragraph of the 1984 Overtime Memorandum obligates management to seek to use auxiliary assistance when available rather than requiring a regular letter carrier not on the overtime desired list to work overtime on his or her own assignment on a regular scheduled day. When full-time regular employees not on the overtime desired list are needed to work overtime on other than their own assignment or on a non-scheduled day, Article 8, Section 5.D requires that they be forced on a rotating basis beginning with the junior employee. In such circumstances, management may, but is not required, to seek volunteers from non-OTDL employees. The 2016 National Agreement altered this MOU and provides that all overtime work by a letter carrier, including carrier technicians, on the ODL counts toward equitability for the quarter. The only exception is for the first eight hours of holiday premium, overtime work, performed on a holiday or designated holiday. As a result, the pre-arbitration settlement of blah 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 is also no longer applicable as written. However, overtime opportunities that occur during the same time as overtime work by a letter carrier on the employee's own route on one of the employee's regularly scheduled days is still not counted as an opportunity missed for the purposes of administration of the ODL. Next memo between the post office and the NALC. This is the regarding the Article 8 Task Force. The scheduling and administration of overtime is frequently a source of controversy and disputes between the parties. In an effort to address this issue, a national-level task force will be established for the purpose of developing and evaluating improvements to the overtime process. The task force will consist of four members appointed by the NALC and four members appointed by the Postal Service. The task force is authorized to test alternate methods of administrating overtime, uh, of administering overtime. The task force shall convene within 15 days of the effective date of this agreement and will function for the term of the 2019 National Agreement. The task force will provide findings and recommendations to the NALC president and the vice president, labor relations, or other designees. If a test or any component of a test is deemed to be satisfactory, the parties will enter into agreements necessary to allow for implementation. Oh my God. That is the end of Article 8. Dude, we did it. We read Article 8. Ha! Look at us. We're ready to file grievances and stuff. Hey, that's pretty cool. All right. Next one is going to be Article 9, obviously. I wonder how long that is. I don't know. I'm still scrolling, still scrolling. Well, you know what? We're going to find out when we get to it. I guess we'll find out how long it is. Hopefully, it's one that I can read all at once. Uh, But until then, let's just bask in the glory of having finished Article 8. Damn, in only a half hour? Dude, we are good. So, I will catch you next time. 
Uh, knowing all these rules helps to make you discipline-proof, helps to hold management accountable, and that is awesome. All right, guys, take it easy. Stay safe out there. Catch you next time.